Good morning. It's great to see you. Welcome to all of you joining us online today. I pray that God blesses you as you do that. This message this year um, is a little different because it's my 23rd year of doing an Easter message, and I just need to do something different. Plus, we've been through a pandemic, and that'll change anybody's mood. Amen? So we're going to begin today by reading from Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. This will set up the message today. Listen to the scripture. And Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus quotes this ancient prophet, this prophet Isaiah, he quotes this scripture and he says, today in your sight, all these things that Isaiah had prophesied about came true, has come true in me. And he, he, he noted that he would come with power, he would be anointed, he'd preach good news to the poor, he would, um, you know, preach freedom to the captives and to the oppressed and all that. And we know as the story continues to unfold and Jesus' ministry becomes more and more clear that it's by, you know, grace through faith that we receive Christ and are born again and we're set free from the oppression of sin and uh, all that kind of thing. So we celebrate that today because the resurrection, friends, validates this claim by Jesus, doesn't it? It validates this. He is risen, and you say he's risen indeed, ready to go. Say it at home too. He is risen. What I want to do today is zoom in on verses 18 and 19 of Luke chapter 4, where Lord says, I have come to preach good news to the poor, to, you know, proclaim freedom to the oppressed and those in captivity, to uh, bring sight to the blind, to proclaim the year of the Lord's uh, favor. And this, this, this phrase, this this is verses, these two verses, uh, when you read about them in, in commentaries and some expert an- analyzers of the Bible, they say it's a reference back to Jubilee. It's a reference back to Jubilee. It's Jubilee uh, language. And in Israel's history, Jubilee would take place every 50 years. And in those 50 years, when they would transpire uh, in this Jubilee year, your debts would be forgiven. If you're a bond servant, if you're in servitude to somebody else, you would be, be released from that servanthood. If you uh, were, for some reason, displaced off your land, had to sell it, the original land was restored to you. It was a really wonderful foreshadowing of what Jesus would do for us uh, spiritually. And so this uh, message is going to focus a little bit on understanding Easter through the lens of Jubilee. Now, the word jubilee is derived from the Hebrew word jubal, which means ram's horn. I have a ram's horn here. I had to buy one of these things. And I've been working on this for about three weeks trying to blow it. I can't. This thing is really hard to blow. So I do what any good pastor does when they can't do something. You get somebody else to do it for you. Amen? And so we have a recording today that Don's going to play of what a ram's horn sounds like. (laughs) That's what I sound like. 
only not that good. It is really hard to make one of these ramps turn truly sound musical. That wasn't the point. So what would happen was uh, they would blow the ram's horn and it would be like a, 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 a you know, big announcement. Jubilee has started, man. We're going to rejoice in what God is doing. We're going to rejoice that the captives are set free. That land's going to be restored. And it just brought on a year of this kind of celebratory uh, attitude. Now, maybe I like the ram's horn because I'm a Vikings fan. And they blow the horn before the game. No, I just took away from it, didn't I? At any rate, um, but we're going to read from Leviticus here that tells us the significance of Jubilee. Uh, hear these words, hear them with your heart today from Leviticus chapter 25, verses 8 through 10. Listen to this. You shall count seven weeks of years, seven times seven years, so that the time of the seven weeks of years shall give you 49 years. Then you will sound, shall sound the loud trumpet... On the tenth day of the seventh month, on the day of atonement, you shall sound the trumpet throughout all your land, and you shall consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim what? Liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you when each of you shall return to his property and each of you shall return to his clan. And you can see that Jesus is using jubilee language here in Luke chapter 4 when he talks about the oppressors being set free. There's liberty for them and there's liberty to the the ones taken captive. And jubilee, friends, is a foreshadowing. It's an explanation, so to speak, of what we really are celebrating this Resurrection Sunday. And so for a few moments, we're going to just look into this topic of Jubilee. I'm going to begin with some background. It's insightful that Jubilee came on the heels of the Day of Atonement. That's really insightful. Um, Every year in Israel, there would be this Day of Atonement where sacrifice would be made for uh, sins. And their sins would be forgiven to be covered with the blood. Well, we know this. There cannot be a right relation with God without blood covering our sins. And so before uh, the people of God, uh, the nation of Israel, could celebrate jubilee, before they could experience this, this freedom and this restitution, sacrifice had to be made. And so here's our big thought for today's message, taken right from this jubilee example. The people of God are to understand and acknowledge, we're to acknowledge, and that's what we do every Easter, and we should do this the rest of the year also, that their sin which oppressed them is covered by the sacrifice of Jesus. That's part of the Easter celebration. Amen, right? We sit here today or we stand here today or we sing these worship songs and we rejoice that our sins are covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, right? And that's a reason to rejoice. But there's a second part of the celebration that we need to understand. And Jubilee illustrates this really well for us. Making it possible for them to experience then liberation and restoration. The sacrifice made it possible to experience liberation and restoration. So let's bring this right to our Easter celebration today. Easter is an annual reminder that Jesus atoned for our sins. He paid the price we couldn't pay and our sins are now covered with the blood of Christ and they're as far as the east is from the west when God looks at those who have received Christ by faith. Listen to Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17. For this reason Jesus had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make what? What's that word? Atonement for the sins of the people. 
So Easter is an annual reminder that Jesus has atoned for our sins and balance due to God is what? Zero. You do nothing to make yourself okay with God other than by grace through faith, believing in Christ, finished work on the cross. And when you do that, you are free and clear of that sin, so to speak. Amen? The ledger is zero. Amen? Amen. Nothing added to that message. It is done deal in Christ. We who live in this country think we have to earn our way and struggle truly with what it means that this gift has freely been given to us. We do nothing to merit the favor of God other than believe that Jesus has done the work for us. Doing that, then we become the holy children of God. In the Jubilee celebration, once the Day of Atonement was observed, then they entered into liberation and restitution. As we discussed last year, the Bible's one big story. One part explains another part of it. And Jubilee helps explain what the death and the resurrection of Jesus would accomplish someday. And for the one who trusts in Jesus, man, I tell you what, there is nothing like being freed from the dominion of sin. Amen? And I want us to say this out loud together. It's John 8, 36. If you're at home today, I want you to say this out loud with us also. Um, say it uh, like you mean it, with some robustness today, some enthusiasm, right? Here we go, John 8, 36. Say it out loud with me. So if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Man, we should do a happy dance. I can't dance. But we should do some happy dance. In fact, whenever I read that scripture, I'm reminded of Samuel, my little grandson. He's eight years old. He loves to play basketball. He plays little league basketball. And his dad coaches him. It's just hilarious because I get the videos. And Sam will make a shot, right? He'll make a shot. He'll go all the way down the court doing this. He's got the celebration part down, you know. No one has to tell the little boy to celebrate. He just naturally has a good time in life. We should be doing what? Some hallelujah celebrating. Because we've been freed from our sin. And we've been freed from Satan's control and mastery. And then there's a second part to this. Not only are we free, but we're restored to something that had been lost. We're restored to what God had originally planned for his creation. Children who are born of holy descent, not of fleshly descent. Listen to John chapter 1 verses 12 through 13. Yet to all who did receive Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. He is risen. You say what? In reading about Jubilee, I read a lot about Jubilee over the last couple of weeks. I came across an interesting quote. I want to just uh, share this with you today. It falls on every generation to revive the expectation and search for the Lord, the gift that gives itself of a novelty of life or liberation, consolation, and rest is the design of mercy and of goodness which God has for every person and every people. So what this quote is saying to you and I is it's really 
for our benefit that we understand Jubilee and what Jubilee means to us. And each generation is supposed to figure this out. And we don't understand Jubilee just for the sake of understanding Jubilee today. We want to understand it for the sake of how to really understand the death and resurrection of Christ and why we can celebrate like wild people because of uh, of what he's accomplished uh, for us. Um, So I know this, that Jubilee ceased has ceased to be celebrated in Israel. That happened a long time ago. In fact, they, uh, when I read about it, I don't know if Israel really, really observed this uh, particular um, uh, thing very much at all, uh, which is probably to their detriment. But we, it behooves us to see the race, relationship of Jubilee and Easter because it'll grace us to have a more robust, full-orbed celebration of today's uh, meaning. So here we go. Leviticus instructs Israel that after seven sets, uh, seven years, the 50th year was announced as a jubilee. All property would be returned to its original owners. If you were a bond servant and, 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 and compelled by your poverty, uh, sold yourself into some kind of servitude, then you would be released from that servitude. In addition to this, jubilee year fell on a Sabbath year. Uh, every seven years in Israel, there would be a Sabbath observation. And you would sow the sixth year, but you could not sow a crop the seventh year. You had to rely on the the, the abundance of the sixth year crop to get you through to the harvest of the eighth year crop. And so there was this this call of dependence on God in in, in this Sabbath kind of uh, observation. So in Jubilee, you've got this big idea of, first of all, liberation, that you've been set free from being a bond servant if you were in that condition. There's this idea of restitution, that you would be returned to the original land that your family has owned all along, that you'd be returned to that original status. And third, there was this kind of call to a simple life, a life of dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ, to use our modern terminology, a call to, to a reliance on him to sustain you through times when maybe physically it doesn't look like you're going to have enough, all right? So that was the big three elements of Jubilee. And you can kind of see, if you're astute, how this fits into uh, the New Testament and the proclamation of the Lord Jesus Christ to us. Uh, so let's begin here by looking into this subject matter of liberation. The 50th year was a time in which liberty was proclaimed to all the inhabitants of Israel. And the practice of this institution is diminished if you think it just applies to that person that was in in servitude, to the slave. It applied to the whole culture, to master and servant alike. Now, of course, if you were a servant, you're going, hallelujah, right? I'm a free person. It's jubilee. But it's more than that. It was to instill into the Israelites and help us to understand that really what God wants to bring to people is a culture of liberation. What was supposed to transpire in the case of Israel was the master and the servant alike were supposed to see that they were bond servants of God, that they were living in a theocratic culture, that God was ruler and the priests were administrators and that everybody was on equal footing and your fellow human beings were brothers and sisters soldiering towards eternity uh, uh, with God. And so every time Jubilee came around, it equaled the playing field, so to speak. It got everybody thinking right before the Lord God. And so Jubilee promoted a culture 
a liberation. Shouldn't we be promoting a culture of liberation? Amen. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Amen. Shouldn't we be saying to all the brokenhearted and all the sin-filled people, all the ones that are desperate and lost from God, shouldn't we be saying, come find Jesus Christ, be set free from your sins? Amen. Shouldn't we have a culture of liberation? Listen to Leviticus 25, verses 39 through 42. If your brother becomes poor beside you, sells himself to you, you shall not make him serve as a slave. He shall be with you as a hired worker and a sojourner. He shall serve you with, uh, serve with you until the year of Jubilee. Then he shall go out from you, he and his children with you, and go back to his own clan and return to the possession of his fathers. For they are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. They shall not be sold as slaves. So let's bring this right into our Easter celebration, all right? Let's bring this to today's application. Jesus came to set you free from the prison of sin. I don't know where any of you are at today. God knows your hearts. But Jesus has come to set you free from the prison of sin. That's one great thing we celebrate at Easter. Jesus sets us free. But in addition to this, his intention is to institute a culture of liberation where the God's people are proclaiming liberation in Jesus Christ is possible, freedom from sin is possible, that we just live that out, that we proclaim that that becomes uh, something that people gather uh, from the community of Christ's followers. When our relatives, Adam and Eve, sinned, they sold us out, man. They sold us to the master of Satan and to the slavery of sin. And um, unlike the Hebrew who was told by God, if you have an indentured Hebrew, you treat him right. Satan didn't treat us right. He destroys people. He delights in destroying the things that God loves and cherishes. Amen? He's a hard taskmaster. He's a brutal slave owner. And if you're in submission and slavery to Satan, it's a terrible place to be. And you know what? Most of our culture, friends, is in this kind of uh, enslavement to sin thing going on. It explains a lot. And if we don't understand this, we're never going to really understand biblically what's going on in our world. So let me give you three examples of enslavement to sin. It manifests itself with a preoccupation with sex. Amen? You can't turn TV on without some sexual innuendo happening or some crude remark being said. Uh, There's all kinds of problems with pornography. Uh, it destroys so many people's life. Men and women alike are destroyed by this thing. Then there's this whole misunderstanding of sexual or- orientation going on right now. It doesn't surprise me. Why? We got a preoccupation with sex. It slaves people. There's this promiscuity that goes on, and there's all this unfaithfulness. You know, here's what, what the sad thing about it is, okay? You all right with me speaking really blank today? Blunt, I should say not blank, because sometimes I feel blank. But anyway, blunt, um, you okay with this? Sex doesn't last that long. It's not that big of a time taker in our lives. I mean, for some of us, it's just a few minutes a week. Amen? You don't know what to say right now, do you? If you're hearty and you're good lovers, it's a half an hour. Put this thing in perspective. I'm just trying to say to you, put it in perspective. Why is it dominating so much? Because Satan wants to enslave us to things to take our eyes off Jesus. Amen? Here's a second area. I don't know if I can follow up after that, but try to. So, all right. Uh, 
Enslavement to sin manifests itself with preoccupation with self. Man, social media, it's just a narcissistic system of expression of collective ignorance as far as I'm concerned. Um, so many things are said there. I'm going, oh man, there's no research done here. Or there's no validation for what that statement is. But this person just wants to express themselves for the whole world to hear. And it's unfortunate. Um, and we, we see this whole preoccupation in our culture with self. Amen? And that, my friends, is enslavement to sin. There's another way that enslavement to sin manifests itself. It's a preoccupation with the short term. We are, are so focused on the here and now and we, we spend all this energy and the temporary. Um, it's alarming to me just to see what's going on at a national level anymore trying to not have any consequences from a pandemic and all the things that are being done. I'm going, ay, ay, ay. This could have consequences for 50 to 100 years if we're not careful with some of the decisions being made. And, and, but we have this preoccupation with the temporary, don't we? That's where, where our culture's at. Sex, self, and the temporary. For you and I who are in Jesus Christ, it's a, it's a gross misunderstanding of freedom in Jesus to think that what he's given us freedom for is to engage in questionable activities. That, uh-uh. He's freed us from the dominion of questionable activities. They shouldn't have an allurement to our heart anymore because we've been changed in the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, let's move on to the second part here, this, this, this restoration part. Um, it, it, well, well, no, I can't do that yet because we haven't got to our reflection point, have we? All right, let me just ask you this. Have you been freed from sin? I don't care if you don't know Jesus yet or if you've been in Jesus for 50 years. Is there some sin in your life that's dominating you? Let me pray for you. Would you bow your heads, please? Lord God, I want to pray um, in humility today and pray in transparency to today that we're, we're frail beings, Lord. And we are so easily manipulated and dominated by sin and wrong thinking and things like sex, self, and temporary tend to dominate the Christian community as well as the secular community, Lord. And I want to pray that you would set us free from such things, from the dominion of such things, that we could really experience, uh, you know, if the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. May that become a reality that we live, not just something that we hope for someday. In your name, Jesus, amen. Um, let's go to the second part of, of, of um, Jubilee, and that's restitution. Restitution means the restoring of something that was lost or stolen. Let me read to you from Leviticus chapter 25, verses 13 through 17. Hear what the Lord says here. In this year of Jubilee, each of you shall return to his property. And if you make a sale to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor, you shall not wrong one another. You shall pay your neighbor according to the number of years after the Jubilee, and he shall sell to you according to the number of years for crops. If the years are many, you shall increase the price, and if the years are few, you shall reduce the price. For it is the number of the crops that he is selling to you. You shall not wrong one another, but you shall fear your God, for I am the Lord your God. So if you as a landowner came upon difficulties, and you had to sell your property back in the days that this was being uh, penned, um, basically what the Lord was saying was, you sell to that person the number of years of crops that they'll get out of your land, because the land will return back to you once again. And the reason that this was made was you were never to be able to permanently sell the land. The land was always supposed to go back to the original 
owner. Why? Because God was saying, I own the land. You don't own the land. So if you go on to Leviticus 25, verse 23, the Lord specifically says this, the land shall not be sold permanently because it's mine. It's basically what he's saying. And what God wanted to do here was instill into his people, he wants to instill into you and I, that he's sovereign, that he's Lord over all, and that he is in control of everything. The intention of the law surrounding Jubilee was a full uh, restitution of all property in the Jubilee year. And of course, this was foreshadowing Jesus and what he would do for you and I. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned, we were sold. And we lost our freedom, but we also sold the land. We lost the dominion that was rightly ours over this creation that God had given uh, to us. And what we have to ask is, okay, what are we being restored back to? What has Jesus done for us? What, what, he's atoned for us. We've been set free from sin, but what have we been restored back into? That's the question that Jubilee brings to the forefront. What have we been restored back to? What have we lost? Well, what did Adam and Eve have with God when they were first created? Intimate, unfiltered, authentic communion and relationship. No guilt, no shame whatsoever. That's what they had with God. What was lost when sin came? Man hid from God. Relationship was lost. Intimacy was lost. Transparency was lost. Also, creation got all messed up. And this beautiful relationship that was supposed to exist between God's creation of people and God's creation of the world was destroyed. What is Jesus set right again? What has he restored us to? That original position of being a beloved son or daughter of God himself. Holy and righteous in God's sight. But what else has he restored? Harmony with creation. And he's in process of restoring creation back to what it once was. In fact, Romans 8.22 says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together uh, in the pains of childbirth until now. Jesus is putting everything back together again. Amen? He's restoring all things. Every Easter, that's what we're saying. That's what we're celebrating. Jesus came and he righted the ship. He made everything good again with God. And we're in process of experiencing the righting of creation. Although we may say, well, I don't see it yet. But we're in process. Amen? It's happening. And we got to take all that by faith. So insight here is this. Jesus is a restored relationship with God and all of creation will be restored. He is risen. You say what? Yeah. Do you walk in faith as a restored child of God? Is that how you do your relationship? Let's pray for that. God, I want to thank you that before you we are holy and blameless. We're not people of natural descent. We're people of divine descent. We are holy, set apart, blood-bought, redeemed, beloved children of the living God. And I pray that we walk accordingly, Lord. Forgive us when we make it harder than that and we make it about our performance, Lord. Help us rather to be people of great faith and trust and hope in you. In your name, Jesus, amen. Well, I'm going to get to one last thing here and then we'll wrap it up real quickly. Um, I think this is something that's really missed even in um, our celebration of Easter but that was really, really a big part of the Jubilee celebration that we need to bring into our time and into our era. And this is the simple life. Jubilee afforded the Israelites an opportunity to experience what was called the simple life. It included a Sabbath rest. It was part of the Jubilee observance. And what I mean by that is that you would sow the sixth year if you're a farmer. 
And you would harvest that crop, but you would not sow the seventh year. You'd be reliant upon the sixth year's crop, and then you wouldn't sow again until the eighth year, and, and you wouldn't have crops again until the end of the eighth year. So there would basically be a two-year period of being totally dependent on God's provision of the sixth year and what came up naturally during the seventh year. Amen? That's a long time. And when I was reading about this, it said it caused the people to be reliant upon and to depend upon God and to live a simpler life and maybe uh, to, to, uh, to basically get a little bit more wise in the use of resources. But God's intention was way beyond this. Because I want to read to you from Leviticus 25, verses 18 through 22. Listen to this and what it says. Follow my decrees and be careful to obey my laws and you will live safely in the land. Then the land will yield its fruit and you will eat your fill and live there in safety. You may ask, what will we eat in the seventh year if we don't plant um, or harvest our crops? Good question, amen, right? God says this, I'll send you such a blessing in the sixth year that the land will yield enough for three years. While you plant during the eighth year, you will eat from the old crop and will continue to eat from it until the harvest of the ninth year comes in. So God's basically saying, I'm giving you an opportunity, people, to rely upon me and see if I won't bless you. We run around with our heads chopped off, working our little tails off, don't we? Trying to figure this out and that out and trying to do all the self-sufficiency stuff. And God is saying, stop and trust me and see if I won't supply your needs according to my riches. So Jubilee renewed reliance on the Lord's blessing. There's this earnest resting in the provision of the Lord that was part of the Jubilee observance. Now, fast forward to our time. What's the pandemic done for us? It's given us a Sabbath year. What are we supposed to do during this time? Rest, trust God, rely on him more than ever. Quit running and scurrying around trying to do everything you're not meant to do and you can't do anyway and turn your hearts to God and depend on him to provide and rest in his blessings. If we don't do some of that during this pandemic, see, I think the pandemic is God's way of saying, you haven't done a Sabbath rest for a long time, I'll give you Sabbath rest here. And the people of God need to enter into that rest of dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ. And teachings like Matthew 4.4 need to become our motto. I want you to say this out loud with me. Would you say this out loud with me, please, Matthew 4.4? Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So I'm thinking on this simple life, and I'm going, really, God? How how does this, does this really manifest itself? But if you read all four of the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and and you look at what's being articulated there and what's being taught there, it's nothing more than a simple life. As Jesus is departing and making his way to the heavenly Father, he says, follow me. Wait until the Holy Spirit comes. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Discipleship, it's discipleship, it's discipleship, and then rest in my peace. So I'm reading this, I'm going, follow me, Holy Spirit, discipleship, rest in this peace. Follow me, Holy Spirit, discipleship, rest in this peace. It's called the simple life of dependence on the Lord. And Easter should remind us of that. If we look at Easter through the light of Jubilee, we should understand we're called to a simple life of dependency on God and it looks like following Jesus, being filled with the person of the Holy Spirit, living as a disciple and resting in the peace of Jesus. Amen? And I tell you what, this last year, has it not afforded us an opportunity to rest in the peace of Jesus? I've heard a lot of people saying really, really anxious. I'm an anxious personality too. 
And this last year has been a wonderful exercise, an opportunity for the people of God to have a jubilee Sabbath rest of peace in Jesus Christ. So are you, uh, anyway, insight is that you are to experience the blessing of reliance on God. I might as well give you the point. Here's the reflection. Are you living the simple life? Would you bow your heads? Let's pray. Lord God, I pray for the people of God, for all those present here physically, all those listening online today, that you would grace us to really embrace a simple life in you to be people who rely on you more than ever, that we just follow hard after you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come, do a fresh work in our hearts. We depend on you and do us with, with power from on high. Uh, do in us that which we cannot do in ourselves. Create in us, Lord Jesus, a discipleship heart where we just love your ways, follow your ways, live according to your ways. And Lord Jesus, we just need your peace. We need a peace that passes all understanding to just guard our hearts. In your name, Jesus, amen. We've been through quite a year, haven't we? I don't know about you. Last year I was preaching to a camera. It was a nightmare. I want to extend to you an invitation that Jesus extends to all of us. Whether you've been in the Lord for 30 years or you're here today saying, hmm, I don't know about this Jesus thing. I want you to hear this invitation. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary, This last year has made me tired. How about you? Frustrated, at times angry, at times cynical. And Jesus says to all of you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. That's peace. I'll give you my peace. Take my yoke upon you. In other words, he's saying, follow my ways and learn from me for I am gentle and I'm humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Where are you today? Are you living the simple life? Are you a person of liberation? Are you understanding that you're a restored, beloved child of God? Whether you're just checking us out today for the very first time or you've been around. I've been following Jesus now for, I don't know, 50 years. More than that. Some of you are in my category. And man, there's a time of renewal. There's a time where you just need to come back and just discover Jesus all over again. And we are so forgetful as people. And so today I want to give you this invitation that Jesus gave. Come to him today. Believe on him. Trust in his promises. Enter into his liberation. Enter into his restitution. Enter into the simple life. Uh, Celebrate Easter in in light of Jubilee. And we're going to give you some ways of doing some connection with us today. If you want to do this electronically, you can call that number. It is a real person. Well, you actually text that number. But it's a real person that that will respond back to you. And you can connect in these categories if you'd like. But if you just say, I just want to talk to somebody, okay. It's a person. Amen? It's not automated. I just did some stuff with automated banking. You ever get that? That's not what this is. This is a real thing, a real interaction. It's an active human being that cares about you. And so you can connect that way. Um, I tell you what, after church, if you want to pray with someone, just go to the chapel. And if you want to pray about something to do with Jesus, you're going to find some kindred spirit there that will pray with you and pour their heart out for you and be delighted in praying for your journey in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, We don't uh, do offerings here anymore because of the pandemic. Uh, in terms of passing the plate. I wanted to clarify that super quick. Some of you go, hallelujah. (laughs) 
If you want to give, you can just give, uh, again, using that connection point I just gave you, or you can give in the black boxes as you exit uh, the church today. Um, Jubilee has become kind of a permanent status now with us in the Lord because of Jesus. He's ushered in this time of favor, this time of Jubilee. And we see some of the outpouring of this and how this takes place as uh, Jesus wraps up his ministry in earth and he has some interactions with his uh, followers. In fact, he appeared to over 500 people. That's a lot of validation. He is risen. You say what? Yeah. And so on the road to, to Emmaus, Jesus links up with a couple of disciples of his. They don't know who he is. And they're walking along on this road of Emmaus and Jesus is opening scripture to them. And they get uh, to the evening and they sit down for a meal and Jesus breaks bread. And as soon as they saw how Jesus broke bread, they knew who he was. And boom, he's gone. He vanishes. And they look at one another, these two disciples. Were not our hearts burning within us as he opened the scriptures unto us? And that's our conclusion to the message uh, this Easter Sunday. Jesus is the one who sets hearts on fire. It's a time of jubilee. I mean, jubilee is a party. And God knew how to ordain parties in the Bible. It lasts a year. Our party started when Jesus was resurrected, amen? And it's lasting until he returns, and then it really gets into high gear, amen? And so as the people of God today, I want to encourage you, party in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let your hearts burn within you, because that's where our Christ is, amen? He is risen, you say what? Amen.